Good evening, listen. Oh, fine. Good evening, hearers. Apparently, last time we were a hit. Thank you, hearers. So, I don't know. We're back to give this another try, I guess. Shh. Drew, don't sound so enthusiastic. You alarm our hearers with your energy level that high. I'm Drew, here again, incomprehensibly, with the ever-hilarious Harrison. No. Wait, I thought you said... Look, there's a difference between your name and your DJ name. Okay. Aren't you a broadcasting major? I mean, don't you know these things? I am, in fact, a broadcasting major who has been taking lots of classes to learn how to do this radio show. What's your major? Sociology. It's a radio show, Drew. It's not rocket science. <sighs> Look, is your name Harrison? I'm confused. My name is Harrison. That's not my DJ name. But it's your actual name? Yeah, kind of. Kind of? It's a little boring, right? I mean, it's my name, but it doesn't suit me. <laughs> What's that for? Lots of people don't like their name. Nobody likes their name. They don't all make up new ones. I don't think you need to worry as much as you do about being boring. I don't think boring is actually your problem. What do you think my problem is? Wait, you think I have a problem? No, not like that. Probably your biggest problem is your irascible co-host. Oh, Drew, that is the nicest thing you've ever said to me. But you're not a problem at all. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, <clears throat> so if you're still with us after... All that, you are listening to Drew and Rav. No, not Rav. I thought Rav was your DJ name. I feel like you weren't sold on it last time. Really? Did you get that impression from me? Oh, I wonder why. So I'm going to try something new. Are you ready for it? No, actually. Uh, oh, okay. I don't think I'm ever going to be ready for it. Just tell me what it is. Rocky. It's short for Rachmaninoff. Okay. You're listening to Kaleidotrope with Drew and Rocky. Why is the show called Kaleidotrope? I, what? I don't know. It's just called that. We could call it the Drew and Harrison Radio Hour. It's on for 30 minutes. Uh, the Drew and Harrison Radio Half Hour. You don't even want to go by Harrison on the show. You want to go by Rocky. Don't say it like that. Rocky's an excellent DJ name. Here is, you can't see Harrison, so I'll just state for the record that there is no one on the planet who looks less like a Rocky. That's stereotyping. You are stereotyping that name. <gasps> ha! Tell Drew I love Rob's new DJ name. It's so sexy. See? Oh my God, how are the texts already coming? People are supposed to send us texts now. That's our new thing. You should tell them. Apparently, I don't have to tell them because the texts are already coming in. Don't be silly. Here's pay no attention to Drew. He's just sulky because he's still laboring under the idea this is a music show instead of your advice text-in hour. Half hour. Your advice text-in half hour. And, like, only the first half is supposed to be for text officially according to Hal, so... Your advice text in quarter hour. 
So text us all your problems and we'll give you our patented Drew and Rocky words of wisdom. Ugh. What's it say? It says, Dear Drew, I am waged in an epic battle with my nemesis, Wendy, who keeps recalling the library book that I desperately need to finish my thesis. I thought you and Rocky might have some advice. Rocky, they're already calling you Rocky. How do you do this? I brought Samoas again. Have some. They will inspire us to give good advice to Wendy's nemesis. Oh, look, it's Wendy. Of course it is. Does everyone on this campus listen to this show? Wendy says, please tell Lisa that she is not the only person who needs to borrow library books and write theses. Your move, Lisa. No, it's not Lisa's move. Don't encourage this. What does Lisa say? Lisa says that she's going to the library right now to recall the book that Wendy just recalled from her. Now, Lisa, that doesn't seem like the optimum course of action here. Please tell Lisa that she can't recall the book because I've already preemptively recalled the book from her recall. Is that, is that even possible? I have no idea. Oh, look, Lisa has preemptively, preemptively recalled the recall of the recall. I don't think any of this is even possible. I mean, maybe a librarian can text in and tell us if this is possible. Is it really necessary to encourage more people to text into this show? <laughs> what else would we do? We could play music. If we played music, we wouldn't be able to offer assistance to people in need like Wendy and Lisa. Wendy and Lisa are not people in need. Look, Wendy has now preemptively, preemptively, preemptively recalled the recall of the recall of the recall. Oh, my God. Setting aside that I don't think that's possible, Wendy and Lisa, why can't you share the book? Or one of them could just buy a copy of the book. I mean, how much could this book possibly cost? Is it worth this war of the recalls? Hell, I will buy them the book myself. <sighs> Text me the name of the book. That is a solution. But it separates Wendy and Lisa. They need to be separated. But this could be their trope. If they share the book, they could find out. Please don't start talking about tropes. Says the guy who named his show Kaleida Trope. Okay, A, I meant that to refer to music back when this was, you know, a show that had music. And B, our advice to these people is sketchy enough as it is. Lisa says it's not about the book. It's about the principle of the thing. I guess that means they don't want me to buy them a copy of the book. Wait, I want to talk more about tropes. Oh, look, you just got a text. I think someone really wants to talk to you about something. The thing is... A very important hearer. Harrison <laughs> is so happy to hear from all his hearers. Keep those texts coming. Look what high demand you're in. What do they say? Yeah. Hearer Cal says... I would love to hear from the librarian. From here, Z, Wendy and Lisa are lucky. In my experience, library recalls don't even work. Allie writes, are Wendy and Lisa actually able to communicate with the librarian? Because the librarians all just glower at me whenever I approach them. Huh, I've never had that problem at the library. Do you go to the library? I went once. To take out a book? No, I... 
I prefer to study at Kishi's. Of course you do. I went to the library to drink in the Seidel Smith history. I mean, doesn't everyone do that? I go to the library to study. You've probably seen Wendy and Lisa. There are lots of students fighting over library materials, to be honest. I don't blame the librarians at all if, in fact, that text is true. It's probably just a trope outbreak. There you go again. Don't you like tropes? A trope outbreak is annoying to everyone not involved in the trope outbreak, like the librarian. And you? I'm surprised you even go to the library. I'm surprised you don't hold yourself up in your room and never interact with any people. Ever. I don't hate people. You don't want to interact with them. I don't know where you're getting that idea. You never want the hearers to text in. Because this is a music show. I don't hate people. Do people think I hate people? I never said you hate people. I said you don't want to interact with them. Well, that's just not true. I interact with people all the time. I never see you at the coffee shop. That's not the only place on campus to interact with people. And Kishi's is always so crowded. Mm, Kishi says good cookies. You're very motivated by cookies. And you've eaten that entire sleeve of Samoa since the show started. Well, they're good. And they're right here in front of me. <laughs> it's okay. It's why I brought them. Cookie motivation is a motivation I understand. Anyway, this box is so tiny. There were like five cookies in that sleeve. How is anyone supposed to work up enough motivation with such tiny cookie boxes? It's a tease is what it is. Shh, I have a good text. And another box of Samoas. Here. Hmm. Now for the text. Rocky, I love the new name. Really? Your important text is that? No, it's just how it starts. I include that so that other hearers can judge right away that this is a hearer with a good taste in DJ names. Hearers know that I'm rolling my eyes right now. If anyone can make an eye roll audible, I have faith it would be you. I don't think hearers is working out. What? It's kind of hard to say, and my mouth is tired from trying to emphasize that double R sound on air. Your mouth is tired. Hey, I've got an idea. We could call them listeners. So, listeners, I'm going to read the rest of this text now. I hope you can hear me over the sound of Drew rolling his eyes. It's from Torgo33, and it says, I have just had my dream come true. I've been cast in my dream role. That's great. Congratulations. But Torgo33 continues. The problem is that I've had a huge crush on my co-star for years, and now we're going to be working closely together, and I don't know if I can take it. That's not your problem, Torgo. What? Yes, it is. No, the problem is the school's upcoming production is Guys and Dolls, which means there are only a handful of people on campus who could have sent this note. And by process of elimination, the one who quotes MST3K more than a reasonable person would is the one who sent this. So now your crush probably knows you like them. Genius. Oh. Maybe they didn't mean the school play. You see any other theatre guilds around here? Maybe they meant dream role as in, like, political theater. Maybe they're doing mock UN opposite a really sexy security council member. Aha! Torgo says, oh, wait, I didn't mean play. I meant lab. They're my lab partner. In my totally unstage-like research lab. See? 
Right. Ooh, is it from their crush? No, it's from really sexy security council member. It says, hey, Drew, just a reminder, Model UN is awesome and everyone should do it. Also, I'm single. Wink, wink. Thanks, Darg Hammershold. <laughs> Isn't this fun? Fun? Admit it. You're enjoying this just a little. Well, I'd enjoy it more if I could sample the latest single from Angel Olsen or Louis the Child on my music show. But then you wouldn't get to exert an undue amount of influence over the lives of strangers. Exactly. Well, I'm having fun. Ah, listeners, there's that eye roll again. It's not an eye roll, it's... Never mind. Oh, look, it's from Miss Adelaide. What does that mean? It means you need to brush up on your musical theatre. Miss Adelaide writes, I think Torgo might be my Guys and Dolls co-star, but I'm not sure because he's hardly ever said a word to me before now. I think he's really cute and I don't know how to tell him, but maybe you could, you know, do it for me. You know, Miss Adelaide, maybe you're right to be wary of this guy. What if he's got some sort of creepy friend zone crush on you? Username checks out. Just saying. Drew, that's not how this works. They need to just sing a duet and fall in love. Before they've even gone on a date. Who needs dates when you have music and two characters holding hands and the magic of theater all around you? Uh, most people? Not here in Seidelsmith. Here, all you need is a meet cute. You really believe that, don't you? You believe all that stuff about Seidelsmith putting some kind of spell over the campus so everyone who comes here will fall in love and get their happy ending? Well, yeah. Doesn't everyone? That's why people come here. I came here for the excellent School of Communications. I'm sure you did. Hey, I've worked very hard on my degree. I take it seriously. I'm not here to... To what? Make friends? <laughs> That's obvious. That's not what I meant. Sorry. That was uncalled for. Have another Samoa sleeve? I'm just saying, Seidelsmith's a perfectly good school without turning it into a magical land of love. But a lot of people do come here for the love. Romantic love. Platonic love. All sorts of love. Successful and rewarding interaction with people of all types. That's why we're doing this show right now. And listeners, if you came here for the love, Good for you. Don't stop believing. Hold on to that feeling. <laughs> this isn't a music show, remember? And for the first time, I find myself grateful for that. Now let's get back to advice quarter hour or whatever. Torgo, or should I say Nathan Detroit, you've just heard from Miss Adelaide. She's confused and much like her namesake, she wants you to stop stalling and talk to her. Just tell her how you feel. It'll be fine. So go get her. What? That was sweet. Well, um, Miss Adelaide, Torgo, please feel free to text us with an update. Preferably after you've actually had a real conversation, not just like lines written by Frank Lesser or Damon Runyon. It's cool. You're awkward about getting compliments. I get it. I'm not awkward. And now you're protesting too much. Also awkward. I take issue with your characterization. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
Oh, hey, text from Torgo. I'm not sure what's happening, but I'm not actually playing Nathan Detroit. So, and then there's just a bunch of question marks. See? Uh, so we have two lead cast members who are overly prone to quoting bad MST3K movies. Maybe they're soulmates. Sorry about your burgeoning crush, Adelaide. Wait, why be sorry? Why do any of them have to choose? Seriously? Sure. This is the 90s. We don't have to buy into the patriarchal myth of monogamy. Lots of people are in happy poly relationships. Not everything has to be in a love triangle. Yeah, but now at least one partner in this newly poly relationship has just heard Torgo declare on air that they've had a raging crush on one specific person for years. Wouldn't that make you feel like a third and or fourth wheel? Not if you're all open to exploring the possibilities. Sometimes people cling to old crushes because they're scared of something new. And sometimes you can have new love without giving up the old ones. Fine. Torgo, you should talk to your crush. Adelaide, you should talk to your crush. And the guy who's playing Nathan Detroit, if you're listening and two of your co-stars confess their feelings to you, well, you're a very lucky craps player. In fact, you should roll the dice and see if it lands on three, if you get my drift. Nice. I'm here all week. Or at least until eight o'clock, thank God. It's a text from Rosa. She says, Hey, Rocky, tell Drew he's my favorite. I'd tell him, but he never reads those parts of his text on the air. Ha. See? He's better taking compliments, Rosa. You know it. I know it. Judging from his audible scowl, even Drew himself knows it. Rosa continues. I have a problem I'm hoping you guys can help me with. My roommate, let's call her Sabrina, just asked me to pretend to be her girlfriend over the long weekend at her sister's wedding. Oh, God. Oh, no. Because she's afraid her parents think she's not adjusting to life on campus as a shy little lesbian. And it's adorable because she's totally not adjusting. She just like spends all her time in the library or in her room watching Netflix. And I'm totally willing to do it because it's hilarious. But like, can you even imagine the two of us pretending to be dating? We'd be like the least compatible, most useless daters ever. Don't do it. Do not go to her sister's wedding. What? Of course she should go. Have you ever actually watched a rom-com in your life? How did you even get accepted to this school? I got accepted because I was head boy of the cynical, romanceless, festering pool of smarmy existential dread known as public school. A role, I might add, which was totally deserved, unlike, say, Prince Charles being head boy, which obviously was just because he was Prince Charles. It's okay, Drew. None of us were about to mistake you for the Prince of Wales. You don't think I'm princely? I don't think you're unduly entitled. The point is, Rosa, don't do it. If you go, her parents will bombard you with nosy questions you won't know the answer to because you're not actually girlfriends. They'll pressure you to make out, act lovey-dovey for photos, probably try and force you to catch the wedding bouquet, and definitely remind you of all the reasons you normally hate weddings. If you do wind up making out, you'll have to deal with the fallout for the rest of the semester while living together. It's not worth it. Trust me. 
Drew's not wrong. And all of that is exactly why you should go. You clearly have a connection. You should explore it. This could be it. This could be your trope. And if it's not, you've gotten a free wedding, hopefully with an open bar and some dorky dancing and awkward social encounters. And you've gotten to bond with your roommate. No harm, no foul. But if you do wind up liking the experience, well, she's your roommate. You already know she likes Netflix. You can just throw in some chill. That is terrible advice. We're going to wind up getting sued. It is great advice, and we're going to wind up getting invited to the wedding. Oh my god! It's okay. I bet you look great in tux. I... Well, take the compliment, Drew. We're going to practice that. Moving on. This is where it would be convenient to be able to play a nice, distracting song. And that would be taking the compliment awkwardly. But you're in luck, because it's time to move on from advice, text, and quarter hour, as you can see from the frantic faces Hal is making at us right now. You shouldn't look at Hal while we're working. She's just distracting. That could be part of why your show didn't used to have structure. Structure is overrated. You need to follow where the music takes you. Also, we're not working. Well, you said we were working. We're not. Right, because we're not getting paid. Is this like work? This isn't like work. Work is when you spend eight hours feeding crickets to lizards. What? I used to work at a pet store. Anyway, this is way better than feeding crickets to lizards for eight hours. I feel like that's a low bar, but I'm happy to have passed it. Thank you. You're welcome, Drew. That's a lovely way to take a compliment. You're already improving. I'm better than feeding crickets to lizards. That really isn't much of a compliment. I thought it was about the level you could handle non-awkwardly. Okay. What are we supposed to do for the rest of the show? Talk about our past jobs? No. But do you want to do that? We can do that. No, I don't want to do that. Our listeners do not want to hear about the incredible boredom of making 7,000 lattes a day. (gasps) True. Did you used to work at a coffee shop? Yes. Why are you so excited? It definitely wasn't exciting. Did you work at Kishi's? No, it was in sixth form at high school. That explains why you have never been my barista. And why you didn't fall into a trope. You were Ned Seidelsmith. Anyway, can we talk about... Hi, Rocky. Love the new name. Tell Drew I bet he made the most delicious lattes. He sounds like the type. What does that mean? What does a person who makes delicious latte sound like? You. Hi, Drew. Your name's nice too, by the way, since everyone's talking about Rocky's name. (laughs) Anyway, Rocky sounds like he would make the most delicious lattes too. Aww, we both would make delicious lattes. I've never worked in a coffee shop, but I've always thought I'd be really good at making lattes. You're good at feeding crickets to lizards, so transitioning to making lattes is just a hop, skip, and jump away. Thanks. Can we talk about something else? I feel like us making lattes together would make for boring radio for everyone else to listen to. Somehow I doubt that. However, it's debate time. Oh, God, that sounds horrible. Let's go back to talking about our jobs. What would you, 
dear listeners, like to hear Drew and me debate. Text us. We can debate anything. No, we can't. Listener BT Dub suggests the socioeconomic. No. Okay. Listener Riley says debate tropes and Seidel Smith magic. Also, no. Agreed. We need a narrower topic than that. Like, I don't know, debate whether people should clear the microwave control panel if they take their food out before the time expires. Well, obviously people should do that. That's obnoxious. Right? Like, would it kill these people to wait two frickin' seconds until the microwave ends? And then to not cancel it so the microwave just blinks O2 at you unhappily. That's a travesty. Barbarians. Yes. That wasn't much of a debate. No, we reached consensus pretty quickly. We need something else to debate. Listeners, we turn to you! We have a text from a listener who says, What are your thoughts on Harry Potter? Specifically, epilogue or no? Have you read the books? Because I'm not sure I want to debate Harry Potter with some generic fan who's only seen the movies. Listeners, I'm giving Harrison a look right now. I'm sure they know. It's pretty audible. It's a look that says this show could just be the Drew and Harrison debate Harry Potter show. Drew and Rocky? There's a nice muggle name for you. Rocky would be the best wizard at Ilvermorny. <laughs> really? Ah. I've been trying all night, and that's what makes you laugh. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, I hate the epilogue with a burning passion, and I think the whole concept of one big happy Weasley family promotes a ridiculously hegemonic, regressive, and heteronormative view of the wizarding world that completely undermines most of the themes of social progress and diversity that Rowling was playing with in the books. And also, Harry was totally in love with Draco, so there's that. But more importantly, listeners, if you know anyone, anywhere, who's ever fallen in love with the first person they met, on the first day of grade school, and then eventually married them, let us know. Because I think that's a bigger fantasy than the idea that attending Seidelsmith gives you a happy ending. Uh, Rocky, anything to add? Okay, firstly, Harry and Ginny were adorable together, and she stood by him during a war where members of her family and her boyfriend technically died. Not to mention she's seen him at his best and worst over the years, and it's unfair to Jenny for you to characterize that as a cute puppy love. In fact, I'd say it's downright mean. It's not mean. Ginny's the one who's mean. She was terrible. She made fun of her brother's girlfriend and did horrible things to people she didn't like, and her jokes were mean-spirited and not funny. She grew up alongside Fred and George Weasley. Of course her jokes were mean. Also, let's not forget, she was basically raped for a whole year when she was like 11. She's probably entitled to be a little cruel now and then, wouldn't you say? And that teensy bit of meanness, that's what made her perfect for Harry, okay? At least she was basically good, unlike Draco Hitler Youth Malfoy. I can't even with this. First off, Draco was reformed, okay? Second, it's not just Ginny herself. The whole idea that Harry just got a nice, tidy, nuclear family packaged and handed to him, wrapped in a shiny bow the moment he stepped onto the train to Hogwarts is just so... Ugh, it's so ridiculous. That's not how it works. Things like that don't just happen, even if you are a wizard. They do if you run into a nice, huge family that loves you and wants to adopt you for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, I don't know any families like that. Oh. And 
and next you're going to tell me that Hermione and Ron were soulmates and this show is only half an hour so maybe we should just agree to disagree well I mean I really think Hermione should have stayed single and become prime minister and that surely no one can argue with really Harry and Draco Right, listeners, thanks for tuning in today. Let's just have a quick look at the campus news, shall we? The Daxton Quad Cafeteria will be closed tomorrow afternoon for a health inspection. So grab a snack from the vending machine or else head over to Prince Hall to use those meal points. Also, don't forget that the library renovations have started, so they'll be operating on reduced hours. Uh, hey, no wonder Wendy and Lisa were fighting so much over the book. Woo! They're remodeling the apps and the old entrance, right? Maybe they'll find the Valentine. The Valentine. You think the Cyril Smith Valentine is real? Of course you do. You already said you believe in the legend and the idea that the campus is touched by magic. And when they find the Valentine, everyone will know it. It's been 150 years. No one's found the Valentine because there's no Valentine to find. That's what you think. And anyway, isn't that how the trope always starts? Oh... Tune in next time when we'll probably talk more about the Valentine they're going to find during the library renovations. No, we won't. And we'll take more texts from listeners. So get your questions ready and maybe a librarian will let us know how recalls of recalls of recalls work. And who knows what fabulous thing we'll debate. Drew? What? Anything to add? No, I think you covered basically anything and everything that could be covered. Do you have a signature sign-off? No. I think we should develop a signature sign-off. Bye, listeners. Kaleidotrope was created by Asia and Earl Grey T68. You can follow us on Twitter at Kaleidotrope Pod, on Tumblr at Kaleidotrope Podcast, or on our website at KaleidotropePodcast.com. Drew is played by James Evans, and Harrison is played by Matthew Menendez. If you like their work, please help us pay them by subscribing to Kaleidotrope on Patreon or by buying us coffee at ko-fi.com. All the money we raise through these channels goes directly to our actors. If you enjoy Kaleidotrope, tell a friend or make something cool of your own to keep the story going. And if you're looking for another audio drama to check out, we'd like to recommend Inkworm. It's basically Queer Devil Wears Prada in space. And now stay tuned for a special excerpt from our Patreon-only audio commentaries. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. And thanks so much for listening. Obviously, we can now say that we've cast James and Matthew. Um, yes. And we love them so much. We love them we so do. much. And I think that they they fit, obviously, they, they fit kind of neatly within that range. And so it all worked out really well. Yeah. No, they, they, they have ended up being perfect. But part of why I said that casting was both the best and the worst experience was because I felt like for we could only cast one actor for each part and that was that was terrible like it was it was terrible we spent so much time being like but we love all of them like what if we just do alternate versions of this podcast where we have multiple actors playing the roles um yeah i seriously considered how we could double cast (laughs) yeah yeah i mean because we we had like we had amazing auditions but i don't say all of that i don't want to take away from how much we also love james and matthew because they they are fantastic, and I love them, and they have been everything I have dreamed of. Collide-a-trope.